Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Lord, we do thank you for your presence this morning. We just thank you that we can sit here among our brothers and sisters and just take a deep breath. Father, we just ask you by your spirit, as we talk about some of the things and some of the, well, some of the purposes on your own heart, we really are standing on holy ground. And I, for one, Lord, am so very aware of my inability to convey that which only you can reveal. So, Lord, this morning, we just ask you that you'll come now. You'll soften our hearts. Father, where there's been arrows, where there's been pain this week, a wound, maybe a wound from someone we didn't expect it from, maybe an arrow the enemy hit us with, maybe it was bad news. Father, we just... Thank you that you are the, you're the voice in the silence and the presence, Lord, in the darkness. Lord, this morning we're so grateful there's an anointing for us as your people. And we just step into that anointing this morning. We thank you as we rest, you work. Lord, you know every person sitting in this building this morning. You know, Lord, the things, the the mountain in their lives. You know the, the pressure. You know the loneliness. You know the fear. And you're here this morning, Lord. Lord, we need you. We need you in this very troubled, chaotic extremely stressful world. We need you. So we just draw close to you this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that by your grace and your mercy, you'll part the curtain just somewhat this morning that we might get a just a little bit greater glimpse of you. What an awesome. Lord, we use words all the time and we say them again and they become meaningless because we don't know what words to use. But Lord, we so desperately need to see you. We really are tired of warmed and cold, uh, heated religion. So many of us in this room are, are even disgusted with ourselves. We make commitments. We struggle to change things and find ourselves again in places we don't want to be. But this morning, Lord, just, we're just a family in this room. Thank you that we don't have to perform and we don't have to 
be anything other than who we are before you. We really, Lord, we really pray for one another in this room. We really pray that you'll open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, just, just somewhat this morning. Open our ears just somewhat this morning. Lord, let us see into the invisible just, just somewhat this morning. Not by power and not by might, but by your spirit. Spirit of the living God, we need you to come. We thank you that you're more interested in coming than we are in having you come. So we give you ourselves, we give you this time. Bless it, bless it, bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you were here two weeks ago when I started to share? Oh, not a lot of you. Well, not all of you. So I'm glad I'm, I'm going to throw up a few of these, um, what I was, um, some of the diagrams we used two weeks ago. And uh, those of you that were here, remember this diagram. And um, this is so very much, uh, very, very much on my heart. I believe so much it's, that it's on my heart because I believe it's so on the Lord's heart. And I think that if God has his way, I think that uh, I think that some people in this room can have something in their heart really changed this morning. Certainly not because of the messenger, but because of the message. I remember my spiritual mom used to say, um, somebody could pick up the gospel written on a dirty piece of paper on the floor and get saved. So, you know, it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. So this first diagram, if you remember, those of you that were here and those of you that were not, I'd like to help you to see this. This, I think, is one of the greatest missing pieces to, in the church of Jesus Christ today. And I think that because we really, we don't have this, I think that it leaves us very much open for burnout and a quiet resolve to just put, go through all the religious motions and yet inside being very dead and very uh, asleep in a lot of ways. I really believe that if God can give us greater vision, I believe it's the greatest need for us as the body of Christ. I believe without vision, Proverbs says, the people perish. And I believe that many of us are perishing because in so many ways, no matter how, no matter how much we want to be all God wants us to be. We are finding it hard to take the truths that we know and make them relevant in our everyday lives. And I, I, I like, as I said, I, I really believe that this is so absolutely important to know. So as you see, this is the eternal purpose of God. What, what does that mean? 
Well, as you see, there's eternity past. That was long before the garden. That was long before time. That was long before uh, anything visible. And that was eternity past. And then we see creation. And then we know that after Adam and Eve were created, we know that something awful happened. They sinned. We, we call it the fall. They fell. And therefore, what we see is this long drop down. And at the bottom of the drop, you see the cross. Because now, something needed to be done to redeem the situation so that mankind could get back up and continue for the very purpose that God created man. Let me ask you a question. Some people, you know, sometimes we act as though Jesus, well, we know that Jesus came to save sinners. Well, I'm pretty happy about that. How about you? But brothers and sisters, that's far from the main reason he came. He he created man in the garden. He created man before they were fallen. He created man before they sinned. Do you think he had a purpose before the fall? Well, of course he did. He had a purpose. Let me read you Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. I don't know if we have it there, Ray. To me, Paul saying, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. The mystery which has been hidden from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Those are the dark powers. According to the, what's the next two words? Eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, the Lord. Now, God always acts with purpose. And in every time period, in every age, God has a purpose. But it's not the same as his eternal purpose. I'm going to ask some brothers to just move this back a little bit. I'm always afraid I'm going to wind up running into it when I'm walking around. Fellas of mine, thank you so much. Brothers and sisters, as I said two weeks ago, I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why. But in the counsels of God... In the councils of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I cannot tell you why, but I can tell you that the Word of God explicitly tells us that though the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were totally uh, whole in themselves, totally uh, loving and, and uh, totally uh, together and united in every way, 
full of grace, truth, love, everything you could ever imagine. I can't tell you why that at one point in eternity past, the eternal trinity decided that they wanted to share their love and their life with a creature that yet had not yet been created. Colossians t- says that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's, the God's son of God's love. That's it. The son of God's love. I remember 20 years ago being totally arrested by that. The son of God's love. I mean, if we don't come out of our just intellectual comp- comprehension of things, Brothers and sisters, are you and I aware this morning of how much we need revelation? You and I are so desperately in need of revelation to understand the word of God, really, and the purposes of God. We cannot, we cannot break into the eternal mind of God just on our own strength. It is God that must reveal things to us. And I don't understand why, but in that, in that council, at that time, they decided that they were going to create this creature. And they were going to share their very life with this creature. It's, it's so astounding that you could, if it wasn't in the word of God, you'd call it blasphemous. They literally are including them in the Trinity. Sharing everything with this creature yet to be created. Who is this creature? Who is this God who would think like this? Honestly, even as I've been sitting these last weeks, reading the word and sitting before the Lord, I'm astounded again just how how easy it is for us to just think because we have the words. Because we have the words, our heart is there. Isn't it amazing in the Revelation when Jesus is knocking at the door to the church of Laodicea? This is a church. You know, we use that scripture all the time with people that don't know the Lord. The Lord's knocking at the door of your heart. You need to open the door and let him in. And that's great. And people, you know, come to the Lord through that scripture verse. But that's not what what it was. It was a church. It was a church that had Bible studies and prayer. It was a church where people met together. They had the Lord's table. They thought everything was just fine. And yet the Lord is telling them, I am outside the door knocking. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but I kind of feel the ground under me trembling a little bit these last few weeks. I have a funny feeling God's about ready to show me I'm not quite where I really want to be. I'm like getting the feeling, the ground's rumbling under the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we speak to, we, we, you, some of us that have been on the way for a while, we forget who we're talking about. Let's go to Genesis for a minute. Now, a little closer, away. Is it a little choppy? Okay. Tell me. Oh, really? Okay. 
So we're in Genesis. Yeah, you, you might want to take some Bibles out because we are going to look at some scriptures this morning. And if you don't have one, I'd like you to look along. I'd like you to look with someone else, along with someone else. So let's, let's just go to Genesis for a minute. Now, you remember that God created, he created Adam. And it says that he used to come into the garden in the cool of the day. And this is what God said. God looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So the next verse says this. Now, wouldn't you think after God just says, it's not good for man to be alone, wouldn't you think, okay, well, what's he going to do about it? Well, the next verse is this. This is Genesis 2. The next verse is this. He says, Adam, I'm going to bring all the animals before you, and I want you to name them. I want you to give them names. And so Adam is giving them names, and he's looking, and it's, it's implied in the context of the Scripture that Adam is looking at the lion, and he sees the lioness. He looks at the tiger, and he sees the tigress. Suddenly, it's Adam starts to realize that for every single species, there's a counterpart. There's another. Made in that likeness. God wanted Adam to see something. Adam... How do you feel about all these animals? Well, Lord, it's really wonderful. I mean, I'm, it's great. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of relationship did he have with animals. Maybe they talked. I don't know. The serpent talked to him. I don't really know. But I know one thing. God was going to Adam's heart. And Adam realized that some passion in his heart was missing, that he had a desire to take his passion and give it away to someone, and there wasn't, in, in the animals, there was no one he could give his passion to. And then God created his counterpart, his likeness. Brothers, I don't know how you're going to take this, but the last thing created is always the masterpiece. I'm sorry. I've read a lot of commentaries, and that's what they tell me. Brothers, this, if, if you think that you're looking for a 10, this girl was a 50 in every way, truly. Robed in light with the glory of God all around her. And Adam said, Come back with me to eternity past for a minute. It's important for us to understand that the Bible says that there's a reason for creation. There's a reason for creation. Do you know what the reason for creation is? The reason for your creation, the creation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ is the reason all things were made by him, through him, and for 
him. His father wanted to, his father loved his son so much. You see, the father was the source of love. The son was the beloved. But the son wanted to be the source of love as well. The father wanted to give the son a counterpart. The father wanted to give the son some place that he could take his passion, that he could love a counterpart just like him. And so the father decided that there would be another creature on this planet that would be his gift to his beloved son. Why? I can't tell you. We'll spend eternity trying to figure it out. But we have such a low level and opinion about who we are, about our God, what he's like. He is the most exciting person the smartest person you've ever, you could ever imagine. The most creative. Take a look at this fallen world. The Bible says, I hasn't seen or ear heard the things that God has in store for those who love him. Love him. This small life. This small little life, we get a chance. We get a chance to hook up our train to that train. And we get to hook our train up to the eternal purpose of God. Brothers and sisters, the church is too busy asking God to come into our story when in reality... I have to tell you, true Christianity is not about God coming into your story. It's about you coming into his story. And I want you to know that the scriptures are clear. That for anybody who will do this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you for the person who has revelation in this life and dares to do such a thing, says, Lord, I mean, you read about them. You read about people from time to time. For the person who dares to say, okay, this is, my, this is I give you my life completely. Not just so that you can bless me. Honestly, Brothers and sisters, God is such a blesser. He's a healer. He's a counselor. He is so full of mercy and grace. But I want to tell you, if we don't, the body of Christ doesn't get straightened out about this. I want you to know this is not about you. This is not about you. And for the person who's able to just let go and say, I was created for him. He is a good God. He is love itself. I am going to absolutely put my life in his hands. 
I am going to take, make his interests my interests and let him take care of my interests. Oh, for the man or woman who is smart enough to do such a dangerous thing. Where's God going? He, he didn't just, it, Christianity isn't just about saving sinners. So, so I get it. So, okay, I come to the Lord and my sins are forgiven. That's great. I've got fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. It's good. And now it's like, okay, so now I, I go to church services and I, you know, I try to do, do some nice, good things. I'm, and then I wait to die to go to heaven. Do you really think that the, take a look outside. Do you think the person who created all this, do you think he's that dense? Do you think he's that, do you think he's that small? Do you think he's that uh, uninteresting? I mean, really? Really? He's the most exciting uh, creature that could ever be. It'll take eternity to get to know him and we'll be awed by him. Astounded by him. We think too lowly of the Lord. If I, if I have anything to do about it, in the next month, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you know, you can be a Christian, and we can be in churches, and we can be talking about a whole lot of other stuff other than Jesus. Well, you know what? I'm waking up. And I'm like, you know what? I want to talk about Jesus. You want to talk about Jesus with me? Let me know. You don't want to talk about Jesus? All right, fine. But I want to talk about him. I love when I talk about him. I think, I think, I love it. I love it when, oh, they, they, they dragged in front of him the woman caught in adultery in John 8. Don't you love that story? And there she was cowering, thinking, oh, this holy man, I've heard about him. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to me? Funny, she was taken in adultery, and it's just her alone. That's kind of, kind of a hard thing to do, but there she is, and there's all the religious people. Rocks in their hands. What did he do? And they said, well, go ahead, Mr. Big Shot. You know this woman was found in adultery. They, they, want him to, they want him to say, go against the law. Or go with the law and stone her. Let's see how the Big Shot handles it. What would you have given to be there that day? What would you give to look into his eyes when he looked at those men and said... He who is without sin, you throw the first stone. Don't you just get weak in your knees? Don't you just want to know him better? So he's got a purpose. He's got, he's coming for, listen, what is he coming for? Among other things, it, it, four things we're going to talk about. He's coming for a bride. He's coming for a bride. He's also, we heard Pastor Tom last week talk about a dwelling place. You know, there's a few different ways that it's spoken about, the city of God, the new Jerusalem. But one thing we know, the father wants a bride for his son 
and the Father wants a dwelling place for himself. So we see right from the beginning, we see how after Adam and Eve fell, we know there was Noah, and then there was, you know, there was the 12, there was Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And we see, we see the Old Testament progress. And we see now the children of Israel are held captive in Egypt for 400 years, I think it was, right, Jay? 400 years. And now, for some reason, that was, that was the time. And God said, I hear my people. I'm going to go down and deliver them. You know, he called Moses. But a very interesting thing happened. Now, you know they've been slaves, making bricks out of straw. You know they've been slaves all this time, slave mentality. God said it would be okay if they went to their neighbors and took gold and jewels and precious things. Because after all, they hadn't been paid all those hundreds of years. They were owed money. So when God starts to move his people out of Egypt, they go with, with wonderful jewels and all kinds of great things. And now they start to move out. And you remember what happens. Moses is called up top of the mountain. God gives them the tablets, the Ten Commandments. I always love that joke. It's terrible. It must be absolutely blasphemous. So what movie was it is, was it when they drop one tablet and say, The Five Commandments? What movie was that? I, I shouldn't tell you that. It's awful. It's terrible. A pastor's doing such a thing. I always get there and think about it and laugh. I think God has a sense of humor. Anybody here think he does? Oh, I'm, I'm in trouble if he doesn't. So Moses is up on the hill. He gets, his, he gets the Ten Commandments. You remember what happens down in the, in the valley? What happened? They got tired of waiting for him. Mm, tired of waiting for him. And so they said to Aaron, you know, Aaron, why don't, you know, let's make us a God. Make us a God we can see. Moses is probably never coming down again. So Aaron, being the man of character and, and strength that he was, he built them. They took their gold and, remember, and all their jewels and threw it, put it in the fire. And what did they get? This golden calf. I loved it when Moses came down and, and Aaron's answer to him was, I don't know, we just put it in the fire and this golden calf came out. Doesn't this like one of your kids when you say, who did this in the kitchen? I don't know, was it me? Or husbands on, on occasion. So this golden calf comes out. You, you remember what happens. Brothers and sisters, those jewels and that gold was so that they could build the tabernacle for God. Let me just say this. You know, there was, when I was a young Christian, you know, I used to think, how do people take this book, really? Seriously? And they're so sure that this book is all, you know, there's, well, there's, there's inconsistencies, and I don't understand it. I want to tell you, after 40 years, I'm more astounded all the time how absolutely tied in the threads run in the Bible. Actually, if you weren't here two weeks ago, would somebody remind me of where I am with, after Moses and the, and the, with the um, jewels for the golden calf? I can't even remember where I was already. Give me the other slide, Rachel. Let me just, let's go back to this again. If you weren't here, you need to see this. If you were here, you want to see it again anyway. This is amazing. This is what Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. 
And if you were here, you remember me saying that the Revelation was not put as the last book of the Bible till the 4th century. There was discussion about it. And now just, you think God's not in charge? Just take a look how Genesis and Revelation tie together. Genesis, there's a new heaven and a earth, right? Wasn't it created? Well, in Revelation, you get a new heaven and a new earth. In Genesis, am I cracking? Is that what I'm doing? Oh. In, in Genesis, paradise is lost. In Revelation, paradise is regained. In Genesis, Satan enters. In Revelation, Satan is cast out forever. In Genesis, earth is cursed. In Revelation, there is no more curse. In Genesis, Adam and Eve, two people. In the Revelation, it's a redeemed people, a multitude too much to count. In Genesis, there's a garden. In Revelation, it's a garden that turns into a city. In Genesis, it's a tree of life. Uh, in the Revelation, there's the tree of life again. And let's see. Did you go to the next one? Yeah. Uh, in Genesis, it's the river of life. In Revelation, here it is again, the river of life. In Genesis, you see God walking in the midst. In the Revelation, he's not walking anymore. He's not visiting anymore. He's dwelling. He lives there. He lives among the people. Okay? In Genesis, there's an earthly marriage. In Revelation, there's a heavenly marriage. Just for kicks, let me stop a minute. Just look at all the themes of marriage in the Bible. As it says, we start with a marriage. It ends with a marriage. Jesus' first miracle is at a marriage. They called, uh, John the Baptist calls him, uh, he's the friend of the bridegroom, is John the Baptist. What are they all talking about? He's come for a bride. Look at all the parables that are about, uh, and, and a man had a wedding, and, uh, and a man invited people in for his son's wedding. I mean, the Bible, if you think it's not some themes that aren't clearly running through the word, it's because we don't have revelation. Marriage and wedding is all through the word of God. Duh. Because it's a major theme. It's, what, it's part of the eternal purpose of God. A marriage, a wedding between the Son of God and His bride. A multi-personed bride. Okay. Love it. Uh, in Genesis, you see that the river, if you follow the river, it takes you to gold, onyx stone, and bedillium. Bedillium, you can say, is a pearl. It's like a, I understand it's like a, a plant that if you break it, there's a liquid that becomes hard. And some, some Bible translations say pearl, some say bedillion. I don't know, but it's these precious jewels. Now, in Revelation, when you see the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for a husband, new Jerusalem is filled with gold, precious stones, and pearls. The gates are pearls. Interesting, isn't it? What's a pearl? That little creature gets that little, little grit in the middle of its soft part and it has to keep working with it and keep working with it. You think there's a message there? Absolutely. So now you've got gold, precious stone, and pearl. In Genesis, what happens after the fall? Pain, sorrow, and death. What ha Revelation, God says there's no more pain, no more mourning, and no more death. In, the in Genesis, you see time ushered in. In Revelation... Eternities ushered in. in. In Genesis, you see the spirit brooding over the, this, this earth that was void. You see, the, you see the, the spirit of God having no place to, to lay its foot down. He's looking for a home. He's looking for a place to settle. There's no place. But in the Revelation, 
the spirit and the bride say, come. There is a place of rest. God wants a bride for his son and a dwelling place for himself. So we started. We said the tabernacle was in the wilderness. And then when they came out of the wilderness, remember, now, when they had their king, Saul, now, remember, they started to build, well, actually, it was Solomon who built the temple. So here we go, another building. It's a temple. The, children, the people of God do the same thing. They bring their precious things, and all of their precious things are offerings unto God for the temple, for God to live in. And then you see... Uh, where we started this whole time a few weeks ago with the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, remember, was a cupbearer for the king of Persia who was sending, who, was, who said, you know what? The Jews have been with us all this time. They had, they had risen, as they always do, to a high place of responsibility and power. And God said, you can go back, you can go back and rebuild your city, Jerusalem, which the Babylonians had totally, completely destroyed, took their holy utensils, and Jerusalem was in absolute ruins. And so now the children of Israel are living in Babylon. If you remember me saying this, they lived in Babylon. They built synagogues. They were like, well, you know, we can't, we can't sacrifice in Jerusalem, so we'll make synagogues here. They were thriving. They were prosperous. They had an affinity with the Persians. Think life was good. Life was good. Life was good. But God would only build his temple in Jerusalem. God was not going to build his temple in Babylon. So God stirred the hearts of the people. And you know how many people left their comfortable homes to go to Jerusalem to rebuild this burnt totally devastated temple and city. 2% of the people of God said, I have what I need, but I want God to get what he needs. 2% of the people came back to build. Okay, so now we've got the building. I'm trying to make a real a long story very short, and it was really going to get a lot better. But... Now we got Ezra and Nehemiah. They're rebuilding the temple. They're rebuilding the walls. But remember, as they rebuild, as they start to rebuild the temple, and, and, and let's face it, there's so much conflict. There's enemies inside of them. There's enemies outside of them everywhere. There's such a, a discouragement. I mean, think about it. There's 2% of them. Why didn't we stay in Babylon with the rest of them? Why, why, why did we take this dangerous trip? What do we need this for? Why did we come here? We had what we needed. God didn't have what he wanted. God didn't have his dwelling place, Jerusalem. So 15 years the building was held up. And then God sent two more prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, to come in and to give the people vision and encourage them to build the temple again. But if you read the story, when they rebuilt the temple... There had been a prophecy from Haggai that said the, temp, the latter temple would be greater than the former temple. Now, to say it would be greater than Solomon's temple is a lot to say. So they expected this to be a phenomenal temple. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't as big as Solomon's temple. It wasn't as glorious as Solomon's temple. 
And to top it all off, the end of the Old Testament is leaving. They were leaving the Old Testament now. And Ezekiel, a prophet, has a, has a vision of a, of a temple that's four times the size of Solomon's temple. So was he wacky? Was that really God? Because now we're leaving the Old Testament. But now we're coming to the New Testament. And now you're going to want to follow me in the Word of God right now because i got some really exciting things I think you're going to want to see. Um, open with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John. Now, okay, you may be, you may be tired. You can snore. I, you can sleep. I told you just don't snore. Because I really mean this. From the bottom of my heart, I mean this. If you want your life changed in God, if you want to see clearer than you've, than you've seen before, I, I take it for all of us. I know for me it's true. You want to stay away from some of this. You, you really do. We're going to be talking about where God's going in his eternal purpose. If we don't know, brothers and sisters, you know what? I don't speak another language. I only speak English. Some people may say I don't do that so well. But I, I, speak, one, I speak English. I've always been sorry. I've never learned another language. Anybody else feel that way? Yeah, I know. You know what? I don't play a, a musical instrument. I took piano as a, as a little girl. I think the piano teacher told my mother to save her money. I, that's, the, that's the story in the family. I'm not sure it's true, but Louise, is it true? <laughs> yeah, sure. You're, you're, you're quiet, right? Okay. Um, I say that to say this. Do you have any real regrets in your life? Something you did that you so regret. Something you didn't do you so regret. When we face the Lord and this little lifetime is over, we will see this very clearly. And the regret that we will have that... We did not heed the Holy Spirit's promptings that we were so short-sighted that we either made this world our everything, that we, or, or we, you could be, we could be, of course, Christians, as most of us probably in this room are Christians, but Christians leading our own individualistic life, li living a Christian life for my purpose. Brothers and sisters, trust me. I mean, I, you know, there's so many things I'd like to change in my life. But I want to tell you, I'm a little sick of turning on the Christian television set. And everything is about God for us and blessing me and healing me and getting, prospering me. And I mean, that stuff's good. I'm into that. I'm into that. I'm into, I'm into prosper and prosperity and health. I'm into it. But is there something in you a little sick of it all? Isn't there something more? I mean, if this is all there is about Christianity, really let me out as a next stop. And I mean it. I didn't sign up for this. I signed up because something touched my heart that not only when I started to see God's eternal purpose, it gave me purpose to live. I can tell you, Joe and Linda Lecce were not looking for God. I got to be honest with you. We weren't looking for God. We weren't looking to, to uh, lay our lives down. We weren't looking to start a church. I mean, I, I don't remember being a little Italian girl in, in Long Island saying, yeah, I think when I grow up, I'll, I want to be a pastor. 
a little Catholic girl. Want, I mean, what kind of craziness is this? What I'm saying to you is, God, listen, God, God touched you. He touched you. Aren't you sick? And don't you want to feel that passion? Don't you want to feel passionate again about your life? We're not passionate because we're all mixed up. We're passionate because we're waiting for God to get on our train, and he's waiting for us to get on his train. Believe me, history is his story, and someday we'll see it. And you know what? We're built and made in such a way that it's gonna, it gives us the greatest pleasure. You find out who you are, not by all these self-help books, not by looking inside and saying, I've, I don't know, I just got to go off somewhere and find out who I am. I know I'm leaving my family. I, I just have to find me. That is the biggest rubbish. You don't find, you find yourself in the eyes of other people, especially in the eyes of Jesus Christ. He knows you. He made you. He created you. When you look in his eyes, he tells you who you are. And he tells you, you are born with a purpose. And it's not just to earn a living. It's not just to even raise a family. As good as all that is, you were an I were created for so much more. Christianity is not this low-level, low lukewarm uh, brothers and sisters. It's, it's just not. I, I look at Western, I look at our Western world. I look at it and I say, really? This is it? Aren't you? Is it any surprise that most of the world isn't interested in Christianity? They think that they've tried it. Well, they may have tried this. I mean, where are the, where are the people that know God in a deep way on CNN? I want to see somebody on CNN that knows God in a deep way. I, I'm not putting down some of the people on there. I, I'd do a terrible job if they had me on there. But brothers and sisters, we're supposed to be the church. The church doesn't supposed to copy the world. We're not supposed to do what the world, well, the world says now that this is, this is it. So now the church says, oh, well, you know, we're 21st century. You know, we got to, guess we got to, you know, go with it. Really? Really? You think God is that small? Really? We're not supposed to be chasing the world and copying the world, their music, their anything. I pray for everybody in this room today. Because, you know what? God knows how he made us. And you want to know why you're so, you want to know why you're so bored with your life. You want to know why you're so filled with fear and, and why you're afraid to tell people just how really some days you wake up and think, really, this is it? If you would hook your caboose onto this caboose, I want to tell you, This changes lives. This changes lives. He didn't... It isn't just about saving sinners. Didn't I say that before? It's not just about saving sinners. So we save sinners and... Okay. Well, I, I was going to do this later, but you know me. I can never do a sermon in the, in the line I want to do it in anyway. But let's just say we're all living stones because we're going to talk about that at one point. God's, God's got all these living stones. So, okay. So there's Bill and Alice and there's Eric and Joe. So we're all stones. So, okay, isn't that great? Everybody got saved and now here we are, a bunch of living stones. The Bible tells us that 
Living stones are built together for a habitation of God. So living stone is a you know, metaphor for us personally. So you mean this is it for Christianity? Oh, goody, you got saved. That's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Now you can sit on the pew with me for another 20 years and get bored. I have a sad thing to tell you. Joe and I know the Lord almost 40 years. Some of you are up there as well. You know, most of the people we came to the Lord with aren't with the Lord anymore. Most of them, really. Five, ten years, fifteen years. And you know what? They're not, they're not interested anymore. They got bored. I think it's because they never hooked their wagon and never saw this. And I'd be burned out too because there's a lot of reasons to be burned out in this life and there's a lot of reasons to be burned out as a Christian. But this is what holds you. This is what holds you when you're discouraged. This is what holds you. This is what held Joe and I. A million times we wanted to quit, give our resignation, the poor leadership team all the time. We want to see you. Please, it's Sunday night. Could everybody come together? Oh, God, the pastors are, oh God, the pastors are quitting again. Oh, dear Lord. So they'd all come again, and they'd sit, and they'd listen to us moan and bellyache, and, and they'd just sit there with smiles on their faces. And, and somehow God would always come in again, and there we were again. All right, we'll just do it for one more month until you get somebody else. I mean, like we were doing God this big favor. Should I be telling everybody this, do you think? It's all true. It's all true. I, I, I want to take you just very, very quickly. Will you give me 10 more minutes? If anybody, seriously, you've been sitting here a long time, and if you can't handle 10 more minutes, I understand, and you can leave. I'm serious. I, I won't be the slightest bit offended. But you want to stay for 10 more minutes because this is really, really good. So now we finish the Old Testament, and now we come to the New Testament. And lo and behold, in walks Jesus of Nazareth the carpenter. First of all, we don't understand that the books in the Bible are not chronological. Did you know that? The first gospel should not be Matthew. The first gospel should be John. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm just going to read you a verse from, the fir- from John, Gospel of John, the first verse, and you tell me what it reminds you of. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Remind you of anything? Mm-hmm. The Gospel of John is the genesis of the New Testament. If you think that's, if you think that's good, hang on a second. Ch- chapters 1 and 2 of John, the Gospel of John, are very unique. Again, I told you, they're not chronological. So John should be first. Now, you remember, if you go back to Genesis in the first two chapters, you remember that it's, and the first day, God created this. And the second day, God created this. The third day, God created this. So we get to John, the Gospel of John, and interestingly enough, what we see is, we see with verse uh, 29 in chapter 1, The next day, 
you want to underline, John saw Jesus. Uh, verse 35, again, the next day, John stood with his disciples. Verse 43, the following day, you understand? It's, it's laying out the days, similar to, to um, Genesis. Um, okay, and, and it tells us that day one, John the Baptist appeared as one crying in the wilderness. Now, in Genesis, the earth was created without form and void. And it was the Hebrew word for without form is the word wilderness. So now you've got John the Baptist coming out of the wilderness. In Genesis, you've got the whole earth, which is formless, a wilderness. Now, another day, Jesus baptizes and the Spirit descends upon him in, in the Gospel of John. In Genesis 1, the Spirit descend is hovering over the waters, remember, of the new creation. It's the same Holy Spirit. But now, in the New Testament, Jesus is the new Adam. You had Adam in Genesis. Well, now the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam and the second man. So now, the one term that Jesus loved more than anything else to be called was what? Son of man. And that meant son of Adam. So now you had the Adam who failed in Genesis. Now you're getting the Adam who succeeds in John. Hang on. This Adam came to do what the first Adam failed to do. Now, remember something. There was an Adamic, they call it the Adamic Commission. This is what God said to Adam in the garden. He said, one, bear my image. He said, two, rule with my authority. And three, he said, multiply. Okay, so look at Jesus of Nazareth. Did he bear the image of God? Oh, yeah, he did. He said, he said these aren't my works. He said, I only do the things I see my father doing. I only say the things I hear my father saying. He bore the image of his father. Did he rule with authority? Oh, yes, he did. He ruled over, uh, in Genesis it said, rule over every creeping thing. Did Jesus rule over every creeping thing, including Satan and scorpions and evil spirits? Did he cast out evil spirits? Did he tell the waves and the, to, to, to be still? Did he multiply the fish? Did he multiply the wine? Did he, did, he, did he rule with authority? Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. He, his kingship, he was ruling through his kingship. He spoke to, nat- he spoke to nature. No, I'm going to pass that part up and I want to move down. Now, not only did Adam fail, but Israel failed, right? The people of God, they were disobedient. Adam was put out of, out of Eden. But Israel was put out of Canaan. Children of Israel were put out of Canaan. They too were put out because they failed and disobeyed God. So Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years, remember? Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Okay. The first Adam failed his test. Second Adam triumphed. For each temptation that Jesus had in the wilderness, he quoted Moses from the wilderness. 
Remember Deuteronomy 8.3, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. Jesus said that in the wilderness. That, that was said in, in, the, in Moses said it in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Him only you should serve. Jesus is repeating what Moses said in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 6.13, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. Jesus' response again, he, the word of God he's speaking to the... He's speaking to Satan. Adam failed. Israel failed. Adam thrust out of, out of Eden. Israel thrust out of Canaan. Right, I wrote myself a note, and I don't know what I'm talking about there. Now listen. In the Old Testament... It was picture books. It was a picture book. Everything in the Old Testament is a picture to show us something that, you, in principle, that you're going to see again in the New Testament, only you're going to see it in reality. Because the Bible says in Hebrews that the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. Right? So here's Jesus, the Christ. Here is reality. And now God's saying, enough with the picture book. This is the, this now is reality. You're looking at reality. There's no, I'm not, I'm not doing the pictures anymore. Now this is my son. Now we've seen, uh, <clears throat> oh dear. And it said that, it said in John 1 that, uh, I'm trying to look for the, for the verse. With the glory, that there was glory, mm, the glory was on Jesus. But I'm going to take you back. I'll find it. Oh, he, we beheld his glory, 14, 214. And we beheld his glory. Well, that was, there was glory that fell on the tabernacle, and there was glory that fell on the temple after it was built. And now the glory falls on the Lord Jesus. I got two more minutes to wrap this up, and you really need to hear it. You have to understand, Jesus now, he is the, he's the doorway between the visible and the invisible. Jesus is the link between God and man. He's the staircase that Jacob saw when he had his vision with angels going up and down upon it. Now, Jesus Christ is standing before them, and he is the true temple tabernacle of God. It's not a building. Jesus said, he said to them, throw this building down, talking about the temple, and it'll be restored in three days, speaking about his body. Now God was not living in a building with stone. The true, again, that was pictures, the true temple, the true tabernacle of God was Jesus Christ. In other words, the fullness of God resided in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that, if that's, oh, if that doesn't get you, let me just tell you this. The true temple and tabernacle is not Jesus, the individual alone. The true tabernacle and temple of God is a corporate Jesus. It is, it is the church 
who is joined to Jesus. And that now from the new t- now from the New Testament on, it is no longer a physical building. Brothers and sisters, this is not the church. You, you can't say, I left my umbrella in the church. That would be like saying, I left my umbrella down Linda's throat. We are the church. It's not a building. We are the church. We are the lively stones that are being built together. Please, two more minutes. Built together for a holy habitation of God, the new Jerusalem. You see, we want to die and go to heaven, but God's bringing heaven to earth. There's going to be a day when there's going to be a, a coming and going from, from the new Jerusalem on the earth. And it's going to be, it's going to be, there's going to be creatures, the people that have the, the church, the bride. You'll be able to move in the invisible and come down to the earth. It's the way God always wanted it. He wants to be the God of heaven and earth. It's all met in Jesus. It's divinity and humanity all met in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you. And I really am closing with this. One day, Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, Who do men say that I am? Now, they didn't want to hurt his feelings because they were saying a lot of things about him. So they just said the nice things. Well, some say Jeremiah. Some say John the Baptist. Jesus said, Who do you, Peter? I mean, who do you say I am? Peter said, That's the Christ. That's, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen to what Jesus said. He didn't call him Peter. He said, Simon, Simon. That's his name in the flesh. Simon, Simon. (laughs) Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My father in heaven told you that. You can't know that without a revelation from God. And he said, you see, Peter means stone, a little stone. Peter, Simon, now that you had this revelation that I'm the Christ, now something happened with that confession. Now you're ready for another revelation. And this is the revelation. The Father reveals the Son. The Son reveals the church. Thou art, Pete, thou, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. And I, and thou art a stone, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't even kid. Don't even think for a minute. Don't even think of not betting on Jesus. I'm telling you, he is in a building program, and there's nothing there's not a person and there's nothing that's going to stop Jesus Christ from building his church. Do you understand that? Nothing. No power. It may be, de- it may be delayed. Nothing is going to stop Jesus Christ from building that church. And this is what I'm ending with. Are you in the building program? Because I want to tell you, there are a lot of Christians that are just like this. Okay, here we are. We're all stones. Yep, here we are. Yeah, I got saved. You get saved? Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's good. Do you really think that this is what he, what he's looking for? You see, Jesus said, I will build my church. And it's warfare. 
Remember Nehemiah? They build, they were building and fighting and building and fighting. You go to build the church of Jesus Christ, you're in for a you're into you're in for a war. Because I want to tell you, there's no second plan God has. His plan for this age for 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 all times is the local church. Not just the church universal. But he wants communities of people who are building their lives together, rubbing each other, people that don't even that don't even like each other. And he says, no, I'm sorry. I put you there and I'm building you here and I'm the builder. And and you know what happens when you get built together with other people in a local church? You die. You die. And it's all God's idea to kill you. Isn't that exciting? You said, did I stay this whole time listening to this woman to hear the end of this? Is this the best this woman can do? I want to tell you the church is where you die. The church is where God deals with your arrogance and your pride and the things in you that your wife can't get through to you about and the things in you that your husband can't get. I want to tell you that we see individualistic Christianity in this western world it's my little individual life and i come to church and then i go home and lead my lead my own little individual life and i'm telling you the new testament knows nothing about individual christianity you are part of a body he will kill you he will kill you in the body but you'll be happy you died you'll be happy you died because when that grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it, when it's in that ground and it's dark and cold, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears fruit. I got news for you. What's missing in the gospel today? What's missing in the church, in my opinion? We have a crossless Christianity. We've forgotten that the cross was not just an event, it's a path. Would you turn to somebody and say, It's a path. If you want to really know God, if you want to be a person of some depth, if you want to be a person with no regret when you meet him, then God's saying, lay your life down, give it to me, not just so I can bless you, but give it to me for the sake of the building of my body. And I want to tell you something, God will do it. God will hear that prayer. Romans 12, 1 says, remember the Old Testament? They brought their jewels. They brought their gold, remember, to build the temple. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, Paul said, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, your reasonable service of worship. In the Old Testament, it was bring your jewels and bring your gold. In the New Testament, it's climb on the altar yourself. Get on the altar. That's your offering in the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to think I've spent years in, in here. Jesus is walking among candlesticks, among the churches. I don't want to just go through. I don't want to find out I, I wasted my life. You know what? I'm kind of concerned about some of, some of you that come on Sundays. We tell you about open church. Open church is so important. I need another whole Sunday to talk to you about it. It's the body moving. It's the body. It's breaking all the religious ties of clergy and laity. It's saying, God, 
you move by your spirit. We don't have a man in charge here. We want you. We want your spirit to move. Brothers and sisters, some of you, we get up, we say, open church, come on out. You don't come. I'm not saying that some of you don't have good reasons and you're working and I know the stress, but I'm going to tell you something. If all you're into is coming on a Sunday to get consumer Christianity, oh, I the message was pretty good today. I don't know. I, I really, I didn't need to go to today for that. That message really didn't do it for me. I mean, it's consumer mentality. Let me tell you this. All right. Let me tell you this. If you're here because the music is good or the preaching is good or the fellowship is good, what happens when you go to another church and the preaching's better? Music's better. And fellowship's better. What? I'm out of here. Do you think that's God? God wants local churches, geographic proximity. I, you know, I don't want to go crazy with the geographic thing. But what I'm saying is, you don't choose who you have to do church with. And the real church of Jesus Christ, I get so excited because once in a while, somebody walks through those doors and it gets to my ear and they say, you know, I don't know. I walked in that place and I just felt loved. And I just, I don't know. I kind of see, I feel like family in that place. You can't say anything to make me more excited than that. Because that tells me maybe, maybe he's here. Maybe this is him building here. You know, so many things we don't know till we see him. Brothers and sisters, I implore you, I beg of you, where are you on the building process? Have you started on the plan, on the process and then gave up and decided you're just going to be a Sunday Christian? I implore you, do not come and listen to sermon after sermon if you have no intention of joining the building. You will be, you will spend, you will be full of regret. He said, I will build my church and that is what he's doing. And the only answer for us is, am I a part of the building process? He's the builder. He's the foundation. He's the top stone. I'm just one stone, but I want to be a stone in that building. I want to be a stone in that new Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, He's after the life of his son in you. And you know how he gets the life of his son in you? He puts you in a place that's so difficult. He lets you get into difficult places that you can't get out yourself. You need to dig your roots deep in him. And you get and his life flows. I want to talk more about that another time. There's no, the Christian church, the Western church is for the doesn't even understand. It's the indwelling Christ. It's not me working it up. It's not, it's so much easier than the then religion tells you it's Jesus living his life through you. When you rest, he works. I'm going to leave here. Once again, we're not taking the table because you put a woman in the pulpit and I talk too long. But I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have the music team come up. I think you should play We're Standing on Holy Ground because this is holy ground. We're walking in some of the deepest things, in my opinion, of God. You feel you need to go. You feel free to go and don't feel any condemnation. But we're going to play this song. Listen to me. If you would like 
to give your life to God in a fresh way, or maybe you've given your life to God for the building program, but you know what? You got off the altar. Maybe you never saw it before quite this clearly. Or maybe you've never really given your life to Christ at all. Some people say, I don't know why the Lord's not real to me. And I, and I say, did you give him your life? Because, you see, he's not kind of into, well, I'll, you know, you can make yourself real to me, and then I'll kind of decide whether I like you or not, you know? He's kind of like, I'm the Lord. And you have an opportunity to give me your life so that I can make it something so beautiful, something you can't even imagine. So they're going to play a song. Those of you who need to go, be blessed. But some of you have had the Holy Spirit tug on your heart, and despite how disjointed this whole message was, you heard something from God, and you want to respond. Maybe it's time to renew your commitment to be on this building program. Say, God, I don't... Listen, the biggest curse to Western, Western Christianity is your, our individualism. Our individualism. It's hard for God to break in. If that's you, if you have heard God and you want to respond, the altar is open. The rest of you, be blessed. We'll see you nothing on Wednesday. We have another meet in your small groups for prayer. And, and there's, Bob, is there a, there's Ignite Thursday? Ignite Thursday. Okay. And then we'll see you next Sunday. Right? You still, you smiling? We'll see you next Sunday. Let's stand.
was by this by your spirit that the apostle Paul said I beseech you brethren by the mercies of God to present yourself a living sacrifice you see he says therefore it, it all contingent on all the earlier chapters of Romans that you're forgiven you're justified you're you're uh, a member of his body you died with Christ now with all that being true Jesus did it for you you want to have a drastic change in your life this is how to do it God hears this prayer I don't know if there's another prayer he's ever answered in my life faster than he answered this prayer father Father, we're humbled in your presence. Forgive each and every one of us for making you so small and us so big. Father, we need revelation. We need to see clearly. Give us vision again. Some of us had it and lost it. Lord, you see these precious brothers and sisters that have come to this altar in response to your wooing. Father, I thank you for them. I thank you that just like Peter was a lively stone being these are more stones, Father, for your building that you might that you might come and live among people. That's what you've always wanted. That you might live among human beings. Father, we don't get it. But Lord, today, Joe and I bless each and every one of these precious brothers and sisters. We bless them. We bless them. We say, come, Lord. Pour oil on those stones. Like Jacob fell asleep on that stone. And when he woke up, he said, this is, a, this is where God, has, God is. And he poured oil on that stone, which was a picture of pouring life on a dead stone. Lord, let your oil, let, let your oil flow to these precious men and women now. Answer their prayers. Use them mightily in the building of your temple. Use them mightily, Lord. Use them bless them bless them lord do a new do a new work in each every do a new work not just in them but each of us out here father that is sitting on chairs lord do a new fresh work open our eyes to see jesus afresh open our eyes to see jesus afresh bless bless them lord bless them lord let them you, i'll tell you brother Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.